0: Hey, welcome to Santa Maria Foursquare Church. Uh, listen, if we have not had an opportunity to meet personally face-to-face yet, I'm Pastor Tim. Uh, my wife is Pastor Kelly. We've got a great team of people. Now, are you thankful for this worship team? I am so grateful. Man, to be... To be led in, uh, into just God's presence and, man, just to be layered in just the truth of who God is and his beauty and his love. I am so thankful uh, for those who just serve us that way. And, and, man, then for those who are serving also with our children, what an amazing group and team and, and so thankful for our next generation. And uh, that's not only the little ones, but also those who are a little bigger. Um, I see you. And, uh, you know, listen, we're, we're so grateful for our children's ministry, our youth ministry that meets every Wednesday night, Live Up Youth Group. And, uh, man, I, I'm just thankful to be part of a church who loves people, not just the people who are here in this room, but who loves the people of Santa Maria and loves the people of our neighborhood. And uh, that's why, if you haven't caught on, we're one church with two congregations because we minister not only in English, but in Espanol, right? Because that's our people. That's our neighborhood. That is where God has placed us, here in this beautiful corner of Northwest Santa Maria. And we love it because we just know this is our space. This is our mission. And uh, we're excited to be about our Father's business, Here in Northwest Santa Maria. I'm glad you're here. Last week, we began this conversation. Lost and found. Lost and found about the God who never gives up on us. He's so amazing, so beautiful, so faithful. We were just singing about even that reckless love that from all outward appearances would it just seemed reckless would it seem crazy why would god do this for us because that's how treasured we are and we've been talking about lost and found from one chapter it's luke 15 and if you weren't here with us last week i'm going to give this little recap because jesus the master storyteller that's, I mean, that's who he was. I mean, he was the master storyteller. We see that all through the Gospels. But in Luke 15, he tells three stories, back to back to back, and they're all about something that was lost and then was found. Something that was lost, that was kind of, it seemed like all hope was gone, but then, but then something happened to bring rescue, and restoration, and and of course these stories aren't just about like just stuff, right? They're actually, he was illustrating our lives and how lost we can get, how messed up we can get in our stories, and then how God comes after us and has this beautiful plan to rescue and restore. So the first story was about, well, we just sang about it, right, in that song, about a shepherd who had a, a flock of 100 sheep. But one of them, I'm not gonna point anybody out, right? But one of them (laughs) ran off. Took off from the flock, lost, left the safety of of being part of the flock and being under the the careful watch of the shepherd, was gone. And and so that shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one and searches. Until, we talked last week about that beautiful word, until. He kept going and going and going until that lost one was found and then was beautifully and joyfully restored to the flock. And then he tells a second story, and it's about a woman who has this this collection that her life savings, her resource, 10 coins, right? 10 silver coins. Coins. We're not talking like nickels or dimes. I mean, these, these coins represented a significant amount of resource and wealth. And she's going through them and discovers one of them has been lost. And so she tears apart her home to find that one. And man, when she does, she rejoices because it has been, it was lost, it's been found, and now it is restored to her piggy bank, right? There's the sheep. It was restored to the flock, there's the coin, restored to the piggy bank, and then Jesus tells like this unbelievably amazing story because we find ourselves in it. Because you and I, we're not sheep, all right? Bah. We're not coins, we're people. And Jesus then in this third story tells about a son who was lost. And if you've been around the church or maybe you've read this before in Scripture, you know that, that Jesus, you know, he refers to him as the prodigal son. And last week, we, we talked about the fact that the definition of the word prodigal doesn't just mean somebody who runs away, but the word prodigal, it's an adjective that means, it's a describing word that means recklessly wasteful. Recklessly wasteful. And that's what this kid did. He took half of his father's resource, all that his dad has accumulated, maybe over generations. And he takes half of it. This is mine. He had one brother, and so they he said, I want my half. He takes it and he goes and he recklessly wastes it in just a short time, goes to a foreign land, it says, and then in wild living and partying, right? He just blows. It all, he recklessly wastes it. And then, guess what? A famine comes. It always does, right? The son finds himself in this foreign land. His money is gone, and now a famine hits. And he finds that all of the friends that he'd been partying with, guess what happens? They abandon him. He's left with nothing. He's like, what am I gonna do? So he goes and finds literally the most terrible job that this young man could find. He was out there slopping pigs. But even then, it said he longed to eat what he was feeding them because he was still starving. And so this son, this prodigal son, guess what he does? He, he comes to his senses and he thinks and he goes, Man, oh, even the servants in my dad's house have it way better off than what I have here. They, they're not starving. They're not slopping pigs. And so he comes to his senses and says, I'm gonna humble myself, repent, and I'm going to go back to my father. And his assumption was this, his, what, what his expectation was, is that when he went back to his father, that his father might let him back in, but he was going to be demoted. Demoted. I mean, that's what he fully expected. You can read it there in Luke 15. He thought that he was going to go from the status of son to the status of servant. So he takes that long walk home. But what he discovers is that not only does the Father welcome him with his open arms and Just this crazy thing where the father is running to the son when he sees him a long way off, it says. Not only does he do that, but then he he doesn't demote him, he promotes him. And actually, we're gonna talk a little bit more about this next week, actually quite a bit about this next week, when we unpack that part of the story in a deeper way. But man, he promotes him like he's never been promoted before. So there's these three stories being lost and then found. And in these three stories, there's, there's three things that we find in common that are through each of these stories. One, that there's loss. And that's kind of what we talked about last week, that loss is a common part of our human experience. If someone has ever told you that, oh, man, just give your life to Jesus and you're never going to experience loss again, they were lying to you. Well, I, I don't want to be too harsh on people. They, let's just say they were theologically misinformed. They, like, didn't know, know that, that God has allowed loss to be part of our human experience. We all go through things of loss. Maybe it's a loss of health. Maybe it's a loss of relationship. Maybe it's a loss of resource and wealth like this lady. But we all, come on, let's be honest. We all go through loss. Some of it's temporary. Some of it on this side of heaven seems very permanent. But we all experience loss. And what we see in these stories is that some of that loss is self-inflicted. Like the sheep. He said, I'm just going to take off and do my own thing. I think I can have a better life elsewhere. And then we see that again in the prodigal son, right, who just goes and he just recklessly wastes not only his family's resource, but his own life and his reputation, his righteousness, everything just spilled out, just recklessly wasted everything. Some loss is self-inflicted. Ever been there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Made a bad investment, did stuff. Man, if I could just get back that chapter in my life. Some is self-inflicted, but then like in the story of the coin, it wasn't the coin's fault, right, that it was lost. And probably it wasn't even the lady's fault. Just stuff happens. Somehow, with no fault, this lady wasn't being stupid with her coins, right? She wasn't being stupid with the resource. She just realized, oh my gosh, Something's happened and now I've experienced loss. So we, we find that in each of the stories that there is loss and it's common in each one of our lives. And the second thing that we see that's common in each of these is that God never gives up on us. He is the God who goes out on this mission of rescue and I love it till, that word until, until there was recovery until that thing was found. And you know what? Here's the beauty of it. God doesn't care how the loss happened. Even in our, well, in our stupidity, in our ignorance, maybe even in our rebellion, we experience loss. And he's like, it's okay. Because his searching us out and his pursuit of us is done in love. And it's this crazy thing that we just sang about, this even what appears to be reckless love. It's not really reckless, but man, from our human perspective, it sure seems that way. It really does. But in love, he pursues us and says, I am not going to give up on you. You may have given up on yourself, You may have given up on this part of your story. You may think that there will never be rescue or restoration. But he says, I am never given up on you. And we see that reflected in all three of these stories. But then there's a third thing that we see. There's loss. There's a God who never gives up on us. But then there's a third thing. And this is amazing It's fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard a message preached on today, but we all get to have one this morning because this is what we're going to be focusing on over our next minutes. We have a God who celebrates. We have a God who not only pursues us for our restoration, he celebrates our restoration. He celebrates it. Literally, in each of their stories, there is a party. There is a party. And I, I've, I've been kind of wrestling with this over the last couple of days. Because, you know, it's kind of weird to say that we have a God who is a party planner. <laughs> right? I mean, we read through scripture and we know, you know, Jehovah Rapha means what? God, our provider. Jehovah Nisi. We have the God who's our banner over us. May He is the God who heals. He is the God who provides. But did you know that what we see in Scripture over and over, we have the God who parties. These are sacred celebrations. So don't get me wrong, because I know some of y'all have been partiers, and it ain't been good. We're not talking about those kind of parties today. We're talking about these sacred celebrations, but they're amazing. In fact, what we see in these stories is that the enemy, and the enemy always tries to counterfeit what God would would want to do. God, he always—I mean, the enemy is a pervert, literally. Perversion just means twisted. He always takes, he twists, he counterfeits what God. Does that is real and true and beautiful and meaningful and sustainable in our lives? And in here, we see, especially in that third story, man, this the prodigal son who recklessly wasted his life, what was he trying to get out of life? He was trying to get this I want a party, I want a celebration in my life. I'm bored here, I'm stuck here, man. What's I'm just working for my dad, right? I'm taking what's mine, I'm going. And and so he goes, but what he finds is he finds that his life was just destroyed by that. But what he was really searching is what he finds when he comes home. And we'll get to that in a second because I wanna look really quickly at these three little passages. We're not gonna read all of Luke 15 again as we did last week, But listen to to these celebrations. The first one is when that sheep is found and it starts in Luke 15, 6. And as Jesus telling the story, the sheep is found and then he's talking about the shepherd and says, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, Jesus says that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Friends, neighbors, everyone, come. You've got to hear this story of what God has done in rescuing and redeeming and finding that which seemed lost. Then there's the second story, and it's this woman who's searching desperately for this coin, and we get to verse 9, and it says this, and when, we f- and when uh, she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors, the same thing, it's like this invitation, right, calls her friends and neighbors, she calls them, it says, together, and says, rejoice with me, it is time for a party, Why? Because I have found my lost coin. And then Jesus goes on and says, in the same way. I better say same way. way. He's saying, listen guys, you need to understand, I'm giving you these very real, practical illustrations about things that happen in life, but I'm telling you, I'm I'm sharing this with you, I'm telling the story so that you understand this, that in the same way, I tell you there is rejoicing in, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Come on. Praise the Lord. There is this there is this party taking place in heaven anytime one of us these lost ones these folks who recklessly wasted their life. Anytime one of these people who have been wandering in the darkness comes into the light of Jesus and it says, yes, I receive of your grace. Yes, I receive of your forgiveness. Everything that you did for me on the cross spilled out your blood for me, gave up your life for me. Why? So that I could be found, this lost one, recognizing my place of lostness in this world Every time someone does that and comes to Jesus, there is this shout of rejoicing in heaven. I mean, I thought about this I mean, probably a thousand times when I was a little kid growing up because you know, go to church and you know, and the, the pastor says, man, you know, does, does someone today want to say yes to Jesus? Does someone today recognize that what you've been searching for is never going to be found out there in the world. You're just going to keep in that place of lostness. But Jesus, who has been chasing you down, never giving up on you because he loves you so much. And today's your day, and someone would say, That's me. And you know what? I, I just remember as a child growing up thinking, Woo! Jesus says that there is a party going on in heaven right now. It's like, I can't see into heaven, but I'll tell you what. Jesus promises that that is what is going on when someone says yes. Who's ready for a party? Who is ready for a party? And then we get to that third story. that So many of us find ourselves in this story. And in verse 23, when the son has come home and has been embraced by the father, then dad says this says, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Sorry, Peter. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's have a feast. And celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older, bro- older son, because remember younger guy had an older brother. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the home, he heard music and dancing. I don't know how you hear dancing except one thing's going on. They were dancing loud. They were stomping. They were having a throwdown party. You you don't hear dancing when you're outside the house unless this is a major party going on. He not only heard the music, he heard dancing. Woo! And so here's some things that we learn about these parties, these celebrations that are going on. Number one as we've been talking about, they're celebrating what was lost and now found. That that had been hopelessly gone, but now there's been restoration in the story. So many people mistakenly believe that God is angry at them like when they're out there wandering around, and they're like, "Oh man, I," you know, they, you kind of start to realize I've been doing some dumb things. But if I recognize I've been doing some dumb things, what must God feel about me? And we we imagine that God is angry, that He is like so done with us to write you off. I'm going back to the 99, right? you little wanderer. I'm out here having to chase after you. I don't know where you are. You're out there in the dark. Listen, God always knows where we are. And he even knows all the stuff that we're doing. When we think about about the worst things that we have ever done, things that we would never want to have broadcast, never want to tell that part of our story, we may say, Yeah, we were lost, but we don't want to go there. You know what? You know who was there watching and knowing and still loving? Pleading. Come on. Come on. Allow me to reach out and rescue. It's God. And so we find that these celebrations are over what was lost and is now been found. He's longing to do that with us. The second thing that we find in each of these stories is that others are invited to the party. These are not like these little solo, private moments of reflection on how good life is. No, listen, there, there's a time, there's a time for that. There's a time for silent reflection, meditation, right? We, we believe in that. We, we believe that there's times of silence. But when your son who was dead has come back to life again, when that thing that was lost has now been found and restored, this is not the time for silent Reflection. This is a time to celebrate. To party. Woo! I love that. And so it's like everybody. You need to be here. You got and and I and I love the fact there's friends invited, there's neighbors invited. That means like people that you may just even casually know, but you kind of like run into them in your life and say, Hey neighbor, you know, come on over. We see the family is invited. We see that at the end of the, that third story that, man, that father is pursuing that older son. Man, you better get into this party. Family is invited. Musicians are invited. <laughs> Everyone is invited. And we can think about why. Why is it so important that, that like, these celebrations are these communal, community-wide things? You know what? Because that is where the story is told. That's where we get to retell the story. You know, it's like that, that's that when, when, the, when the guy finds his sheep, he's like, come here, rejoice with me. Let me tell you the story of how I found this lost sheep. When the woman finds the lost coin, come in here, everybody. Everybody join in together with me. Let me tell you what it took to find this lost coin. It's where we get To retell the story of all that God has done for us. At the party is when we get to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Listen, how would other people come to know the story, the good news, if you don't invite them to the party? How would they ever hear? They're in their house. They're doing their thing. Unless you go, oh, you gotta come. You gotta show up to this celebration because you need to know the good news of what God has done. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 10. In Romans 10, verses 13 and 14, listen to what he says. He says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is gonna be saved. Doesn't matter how lost they are, doesn't matter where they are, what place in the world they are, what they're doing to recklessly waste their lives. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, we say. But then he asks these questions But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? That's a good question. You can't grow in something until you know about something. you got to know before you can grow. Before you can say yes to Jesus, you have to even know that there's good news in Jesus. And then he asks this other question. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Oh, that makes sense. And then he asks this third question. And how can they hear about him unless you invite them to the party? Right, isn't that what it says? Pretty much. And how can they hear about them unless someone, you and me, the someones, whose lives have been impacted by the beauty and the power and the joy of something that was lost that is now found. That's us. Unless someone tells them. Here's something else we learn about these parties. okay. They're always celebrating something was lost and found. Everyone's invited to these parties. But check this out, and there's such beauty here. These are extravagant celebrations. These are, extra, these are lavish parties. You know, listen, these are not like, well, do we have any paper plates around the house? Because I think we may have a few guests coming over. These are not paper plate parties. These are extravagant, kill the fatted calf kind of parties. Listen, when that dad says, let's kill the fatted calf, here's what he was saying. This is not like the cheap ground beef that we have in the freezer, right? This is the prime beef. If you know anything about beef, some of you barbecuers do, right? This is the Kobe beef, if you ever read about Kobe beef comes from Japan, it's this very few number of cattle that are that are like they are they're raised, they they have to be this genetic makeup. They massage these cows as they are growing. <laughs> Literally, they massage them. They drink beer. They, they feed these cats, and it's not to get them drunk. You know what? It's to when it, when it gets hot in summer, it increases their appetite. They eat more. They eat more because this fat that gets marbled into them is like absolute perfection. And if you get real Kobe beef, it is over $100 a pound. This is not Big Mac status here, folks. <laughs> the dad here is saying, we've been saving this one. And now it is time for the Kobe beef barbecue. (laughs) Woo! These are extravagant celebrations. And I love this because what we find is that prodigal means to recklessly waste. But what we see here is that this is the opposite of reckless wasting. This is intentionally being extravagant. This is like what happens for your only daughter's wedding, right? We're writing the check, folks. We're making this party happen because this is time for a celebration. And I love the fact that Jesus, Jesus includes music and dancing in a cel- in, you know, as part of this celebration. There's music and dancing. Kelly and I, a few years ago, had the opportunity to go to Israel and walk in some of these places where Jesus walked. And one day, this is where we found ourselves. We were part of this amazing group of people touring around Israel, seeing, learning, or whatnot. And I, I, I took these photos that we're going to look at. So that was our view. Like, we're, we're overlooking uh, the, the old city of Jerusalem. There it is. There's, there's the Dome of the Rock. By the way, when you see that, that is not... This Jewish beautiful monument that is actually Muslim territory because in the Old City of Jerusalem there's there's probably as many Muslims as there are Jews, or, or there's many. And so when you see that gold dome, pray uh, for the peace of Jerusalem because there's, there's always that possibility for internal conflict. Then we go to the second picture. Here's our group and we're hanging out and we are learning. There's our wonderful tour guide. He was amazing. His name is Abraham. And oh my gosh, this guy is just a gift and he's teaching us and telling us. And then while we're having this conversation, go to the next picture because this is what happens. Right when we're sitting there, see all the people up there? They are celebrating this boy's bar mitzvah, right? Which is the Jewish celebration of a boy turning 13 years old. And there's this celebration of of this young man coming into manhood at 13. And it is a party. And so all of a sudden... The, the, the guy that undoubtedly the family had hired, right, wrote the check because he was like a DJ guy. Wait, hold that picture. Hold the picture. So he comes down. He brings the boy. And he gets all of us up there. And we are dancing. They have music. Then they, you see Pastor Kelly there on the right? Her little cute pokey blonde hair. She is out there just dancing. And Jerusalem. And then go to, this, go to the last slide here. Music and dancing. Man, they had hired this whole group of musicians to come along because this was a time to celebrate. And man, look at this guy just going for it, man. Cutting a rug, dancing his soul out because this was a time for extravagance. This was a time to celebrate. We also learn in these stories that these are reflections of what takes place in heaven. Listen, all of God's works are worthy of praise. Everything, every good thing that he does. Every good thing, every relationship and every time we have food on our table, every time we put our head on a pillow and realize, man, God has provided housing one type or another, but it's kept me through another day. Every time we open our eyes the next morning and say, thank you, Jesus, for another day, every good work of God is worth honor and praise. But I'll tell you something. Here's what we learn. Is that there is rejoicing in heaven when someone who is lost gets to experience the grace and mercy of God. His grace and his mercy being poured out on someone new. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. Even the one, it says, is going to receive just as much celebration as if y'all come to Jesus. Just one. Your one friend you've been praying for. Your brother that you've been praying for. Your sister, your, your mom, your dad, that child that you've been praying for, that neighbor across the street, that, that person you sit next to in school, that, man, your heart just breaks for them in a special way because you really care so deeply about them and you just see that they're recklessly wasting their life. Man, when that one comes to realize that in love that God has been searching for them and is ready to rescue, redeem, restore... God delights in that. He delights. This is why Jesus came. He said not to judge the world, not to judge people, but to save them, to lead them to true life. We read in John 10, 10, into abundant life, celebratory, abundant life. And when this happens, it's time to celebrate. Yeah. Listen, if I had more time, I would have taken you to Leviticus 23. We're not going to do that. Don't put it up on the screen. It was in my notes. But what we find is that all through Jewish history, there were celebrations that took place. And you may know this. If you know anything at all about Jewish culture, you know that for thousands of years, they have celebrated many of the same feasts and festivals Holy days for Jews, right? Some of those are things like we celebrate, like, you know, they have Israeli Independence Day. They celebrate that. And there's like Jewish New Year's Day. That they celebrate that as well. But there's so many of their celebrations that were actually given to them by God as things as a permanent thing for all generations of Jews. This is is what you will do. Things like the Passover, right? right? Celebrating God's rescue. God's rescue. They had lost their freedom, but it was found again through the power of God, and he restored their freedom to them, and he goes, hey, you're gonna celebrate this. Every year, this is how you're gonna do it. It was like part of their law. The, The Jews had to celebrate, and they still do today. When I was reading about all of the beautiful celebrations that God had given his chosen people, the Israelites, I came across this amazing quote. It was written by a Jewish organization helping people like you and me understand why they still celebrate these things even after thousands of years. Let me share this quote with you. This organization wrote this and said, we gather as family and community to give thanks offer respect and stay connected to the ancient and modern traditions that shape jewish life and identity now listen to this last statement cuz this really this impacted me we remember we reenact and we retain the light for generations to come. Oh, wow. See, no wonder the Jewish community stays so tightly focused together as, as a community, but also, not, not only do they stay tight, but it gets repeated into the next generation because they are raising their children, they're raising the next generation Don't you love that? They they retain the light for the generations to come. They recognize how important this is for our kids, not just for us. So it binds them together. It it gives them these common denominators in in the Jewish story that makes their culture beautiful and identifiable, and it keeps them locked together in their culture. That's important. It helps them to remember, why do we celebrate the Passover, Papa, Abba? Why do we celebrate this? Let me tell you what God did in our people's story. So they get to retell, right? They remember, they retell the stories of what, how God showed up. It reminds them that if God saved us then, guess what, he's still our savior today. As God was there for us, Historically, he will be there for us again in our futures. And this gets woven into their culture. And guess what, guys? You and I have the opportunity to enjoy that same sense of celebration today in our lives. If we were to turn to Revelation, we would even find out that at the culmination of all of history... You know what we're gonna experience? It's what the Bible calls, and you can read this in Revelation about the marriage feast of the Lamb, where we will all get together, all who have trusted in Jesus, and we are gonna have the celebration of celebrations, the party of parties, I cannot even imagine, as every culture, every nation is represented around the biggest banquet hall you can ever imagine. And there will—can you imagine us going around? And it's like, oh, can I try some of your food because I never had that before, right? And the seasonings and everything. Oh, I—I've been meditating on it this this week, and <laughs> you know how in the spectrum of light, how right now our eyeballs are only crafted to see like this much of the wavelengths of of light that's actually out there. We don't see a whole bunch of light; we only see the little spectrum. But we're told that in heaven that we're going to receive new bodies. I think we're going to have eyeballs. We're going to see things that we can never, ever, ever have seen on Earth. But guess what? Don't stop with our our eyes. Is I think our taste buds. <laughs> I don't know how many taste buds I have right now, but I'll tell you this: I think I'm going to have like a million times more, and I'm going to be able to savor things like I've never been able to savor this marriage feast of the Lamb. It's going to be incredible. So if you don't like to party, I don't know if you're gonna like heaven. Because we have a God who celebrates. Who celebrates. What do we learn from this? Well, we learn that as we celebrate, we remember the good things that God has done. We learn through these celebrations that we get to retell the story to all those others that are invited in. And we get to connect with one another. This is because this is part of our culture as followers of Jesus. We're no longer, by the way, obligated to follow all the feasts and festivals that God had for his people of Israel. That was for them but God has given us things that we're to do. Two of them we're gonna do next Sunday because we're gonna be celebrating in Communion together. It's where we take of the bread and of the cup, and we're gonna do that together next week because we are instructed. Just the way the Jews were instructed on things that they were to do, we've been instructed by the Lord, do this, do this. Receive communion when you gather together, and so we take different days where we do that together, and it is the celebration of what God has done for us. It's the celebration of the cross, There's something else that we're told to celebrate and to do and we're gonna do this also next week. We heard the announcement right before the message but next week we are gonna have baptisms, water baptisms. Water baptisms are these public celebrations of what God has done in someone's life. You heard Ken say that if you've said yes to Jesus, it's the next yes. Water baptism is the next step that we are given to be obedient, to follow in Jesus' footsteps, and to publicly declare, this is what my life is now all about. I am dead to my old ways. I, have been lo- I was lost, but I have been found. And it is time to celebrate that with friends and family. And so I'm, I'm imploring you, if you have not been baptized in water, but if you've said yes to Jesus, or maybe you're about to say yes to Jesus in just a minute, guess what? Right after this gathering, we're gonna have about a 20-minute class right out the door to, to the right there in the courier room, where Pastor Ken is just gonna like break down for us just like why this is so important, and he's gonna give you instructions for next week. But when you come next week, I'm anticipating that you and some of your children are going to be here to be baptized. And we're not gonna do that at the beginning of service how we usually do it. We are gonna do it at the end of our gathering together as this exclamation point of what it looks like to go from being lost to being found. It's gonna be profound, but I'm telling you, you need to invite people because everyone is invited to the party. So invite your friends. And I'm telling you, the message next week is gonna be as good as this one. If you have friends, if you have neighbors, if you have people that have just kind of been on the bubble or if you've been praying for or you are concerned about, invite them. Because we're gonna talk about the restoring work that God does in our life. And he does it in love, not because he's angry. That's next week. Aren't you glad that we have a God who celebrates? no matter how recklessly wasteful we have been, we have a God who in love, not only pursues us, but then celebrates us. Who wants to hear the angels rejoice? Who wants to hear the angels rejoice? Well, listen, we don't have to wait till next Sunday. We don't have to wait till next Sunday. And, you know, sometimes we do this different ways. But I'm just going to ask you, because we don't need to, like, pray and close our eyes and do anything like this. I'm just going to ask you, if you know that you've been walking in a state of lostness, you have been trying to pursue life on your own, you have been, in some ways, recklessly wasteful for what God has given you. And you want to say right now, Jesus I receive your love. I receive your grace. I just want you to stand up right now. Just stand up right where you are. If you're in the courtyard, stand up. If you're in here, would you stand up? I'm just going to give you a minute. Stand. Stand. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Some of you, this may be the first time you have ever done this. And others of you, I know that this is something that you have done before, but you are publicly saying, Jesus, thank you, thank you. Stay standing just for a moment because I want us to pray for you. And now here's what I'd like. I'd like for everyone to stand. And if you are next to someone who stood, I'm gonna ask for you to just kinda reach out and put your hand on them. Not weird, not weird, but just like in partnership. And if you stood and don't have anybody like laying their hands on you, I want you to like raise your hand. Because I want everyone who just stood to have someone next to them. Right? Everybody has someone next to them. Now let's all say this. Would you just repeat after me? Jesus, thank you. You are not angry with me. You love me. And you searched me out until you found me. And God, now I give you my life. I can trust you with everything of who I am. And now I give you all my tomorrows. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Now listen, if you were bold enough, if you were bold enough to stand right now, I have the suspicion that many of you who stood need to be baptized next week. You may have been baptized some other point in your life, that's okay. You can do it again as this public declaration of the restoring work that God is doing in your life. Because next week is gonna be a party. In fact, our staff doesn't know this yet, that I see Kelly like now listening very closely. Next week after service, we're gonna have like cake or cupcakes and stuff like that out in the the courtyard because we've got to turn next week into a party. A celebration of God's restorative work. God's restorative work. And if you are one of those who stood and say, you know what, I do need to be baptized, right out these doors and to the right, there's the courier room, Pastor Ken's gonna meet you in there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna duck in and see you there as well. But also for any of you who have either never been baptized, but you've given your life to Jesus before, or you know that you've been walking through a season of lostness, and you wanna just put a period at the end of that sentence, and say, I am no longer going to walk in this season of lostness. I know who my Redeemer is, and his name is Jesus. Be baptized again. Be baptized anew. Man, I look forward to next week. Invite people. Invite everyone who needs to hear. God is good. You are loved. Go to the class. Go to the class. Go to the class. We'll see you over there in two minutes. You're loved, church. Prayer team, come forward. If you need prayer, get prayer before you leave. Love you.